he's coming in hot, Jason. Coming in real hot. Oh, I think that might be one of my favorite things. Oh boy, it's we are blowing out all three of our listeners' earbuds. Um, I don't know. I think we have a sponsor now, though. We're we do. Have, we're gonna we, have scores of people. We we do. No, we've got. Oh gosh, I'll have to. During during one of our our breaks, I'll have to go back and and figure out because I remember our sponsors sent us. We we have a sponsor, and they sent us something to read on the air. Have I lost it? Yes, I have. But I, I but during one of our breaks, I'll, I'll find that and we'll read well, it for our wonderful sponsor. Here's the thing is any sponsor who chose us should probably know that that would be the case. Yeah, it's look, look, sponsor. Here's the deal. You've you've listened. You see what's up. If you're willing to throw money at this disaster, that's on you. That is on. Oh, you. that's amazing. Well, Joe, I know that we just did a little bit of uh catch up before we started recording but i forgot to tell you my biggest news what do we got Preg- are, are you pregnant i'm not pregnant but it's almost as good what do we got i got my shot you got your shot you you you, you want a little secret yes i got my shot oh i'm so excited i got my i got my first shot was it last weekend or the weekend before uh it was a week ago today nice yeah. you know what this means is we're going to be able to Really go out and do things, Joe. I know. We're going to be able to be in a room together, together. <laughs> and eat dinner at a restaurant. restaurant? No, it's, it's super exciting. Living like kings, Jason. Yeah, no, I'm, I, uh, was, I couldn't sleep the night after I got it, and I don't know if it's because I didn't really feel that good or because I was so excited, but I think it was the latter. Um, I don't. I, I had some minor symptoms, but since I already had the Rona proper, you know. Yes. Uh, all the, I'm like, you call these symptoms? <laughs> these are nothing. Um, so, what was really exciting yesterday, while I was out doing manual labor in the yard, Kirsten uh, was out administering shots at oh. the uh, the clinic uh, in La Vista that was that was uh, set up by one of the uh, local pharmacies and the reason that they were able to do it, they got these um, uh, big batches of doses for the primary healthcare workers and other sorts of folks. And, you know, just as the rollout's happening, but when they did their calculations, they get one more dose per vial than they were expecting. So they have a 20% overage. And so that's how turkeys like me got to get it. Well, no, hey, that's a, I, whenever I I hear extra doses, no, I mean, I, I will say, I, I had to do a little bit of sweet talking to get my dose. Uh, I, I don't want to go into too many details to embarrass any particular entities here, but there was one entity that on their web, on their, their web sign-in, their sign-up, one of the categories used to be uh, corrections and the courts. Sure. Corrections and the courts. And, and Jason, as you well know, we are, we are both officers of the court. We are officers of the court. I think that you actually act in that capacity far more so than me. That's right. I do. And so I signed up, and my thinking was this. The worst they could tell me was no and send me on my way, right? So so I signed up, and I went down there. And uh, the lady's like, okay, and your insurance stuff, here we go. And... um, and then she asked for my employer card. I said, "Oh no, I am uh, I am self-employed." And uh, she goes, "I'm sorry, you uh, you don't qualify." And I go, "Oh darn it, that's 
I go, that, you know, I'm not really going to fight her on it. I go, well, that's, that's unfortunate. I go, let me ask you this, ma'am. I go, would it change anything if I told you that about 90% of my practice is court-appointed indigent clients and that I am, in effect, a public defender without all that pesky health insurance? And this, this made her laugh, and that was, that was good. That was what I was aiming for. And so she goes back and talks to her boss, and I can see through the glass partition that the boss is you know, gesturing and gesticulating very angrily with arms. So I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this shot. And she comes back, and they're like, you can get it, but that's it. I'm like, yeah, thank you. Yes, yes, ma'am. Whatever you say, on my way. Well, you know, I don't want to point any fingers, but um, I just said that I had all the comorbidities then I was 75, and they didn't ask a question. In all I seriousness, said, <laughs> I didn't sign myself up. My wife did it, and I just showed up. And so that's I all I told did. them I was an octogenarian veteran <laughs> who has diabetes, and, you know, it's I got right in. It was super no, easy. It was, that's awesome. So anyway, I am super duper excited, and so in two more weeks get or I'll get me getting my second shot That's and right. then uh, after you know probably a bad case of of uh, you know symptoms for a day I will be ready to rock because they give you this the suppository right that's what you said earlier I right? asked for it yeah, yeah, you, you, I mean, that's how and you I take asked for all the your double, and I made sure that they checked my prostate too. <laughs> that is, that, I mean, that's how you take all your medicine. If you have like a, <laughs> like a headache situation, you go right for the suppository. Here's a true story as <laughs> oh, opposed dear. to what you were just talking about. <laughs> that is, I had to have an ongoing battle mm-hmm. in my youth when I was sicker than a dog uh-huh. and my mom wanted to use the red tip thermometer the, the orally infamous, with me. And I said, I don't red... care how many times you clean it. <laughs> I'm not allowing that anywhere near my mouth. Look, here's the deal. You can, you can physically clean that red thermometer, but it to won't really clean, my clean mind. it, but to really clean it, you need a, a young priest and an old priest and a bunch oh, of holy water. No, 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 no. For, for for an exorcism, for an exorcism, not not any of that. We, I Jason, that, I thought you were cutting to the uh, Jason, cutting gonna, to the quick in my Catholic core. No, Joe, no, no. I was so proud of you. We're, we're gonna we're gonna lose our sponsor already, Jason. <laughs> I, I count that as God. you know an unfortunate win. Man. So, um, Joe, in all seriousness. We have yeah. a severe problem that we need to deal with. We today. got a big problem. And I think the problem is who's the king? Who's the king? You know, it's because some people, there's, you know, a lot of people saw the, uh, that the, uh, the, the interview on Oprah, you know, about the English royalty. And there was, they kind of, it, that always kind of brings up the monarchy in this country. And but hey, you, Joe, I'm going to tell you right now, we fought a war. 245 years ago right. so we don't have to deal with that crap anymore absolutely so well i mean so i'll make it easy for people the king is none of those clowns the oh king, good 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 the, the, the true king is stephen king Ooh. stephen king is the man and and i got to thinking about him because he just had a new book released uh, a few weeks back called later his newest book it's it's uh, uh, sure to be a screamer, uh, page turner, and full disclosure, I'm a super diehard Stephen King fan. I have read 
absolutely every work of fiction and collected fiction that he has ever written. Whoa, because that is a significant body of work. That is a big chunk of work because he has written, gosh, what he's, I'm looking here in my notes, he's written 62 novels oh, and, over two, and over 200 short stories. So, I mean, it was, it was aided by the fact that I did not have friends uh, growing up. <laughs> And so, you know, you, you have the books and by the fact that my my parents really did not do a good job of policing what I should and should not be reading. <laughs> Case in point, I, I distinctly remember at a very young age. Have you ever heard of the Stephen King book, Gerald's Game? Yes, I have. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, yeah. the plot of Gerald's Game... Remind so, me what the game was. So the, oh, the, it's, it's the most dangerous game, Jason. So... Gerald's Game was a book I read, I want to say, at about 12 or 13 years old. And it is a couple, that, they're, they're a married couple, and they're, they're having trouble kind of heating the fire in their marriage, right? And so they, they go to this you know, cabin way out in the woods. and the As husband, one is off, as, off to as, do. And the husband, uh, their, their sex game is he handcuffs her to the bed, right? And, and, and then has, he just leaves her? And has his way with her. But here's the problem. He handcuffs her to the bed and proceeds to immediately have a heart attack and die. Ooh. And, and so she is stuck to that bed, and the entire book is her trying to get out and having flashbacks of why she is so messed up and got into this horrible relationship. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and does it involve wolves finding their way into the cabin? Yeah, it does. It uh... certainly does. <laughs> Oh my yeah. goodness. So when I was in, so I grew up in the 80s. And so Firestarter was on HBO. Sure. And I read all the Bachman books because sure. Stand By Me was based on it. Mm -hmm. And was The Running Man one of the Bachman books as well? Running Man remember. was a Bachman book. Stand By Me was, I think, that was actually one of his, um, one of his short body. stories. Yeah. But that, but that was, that, he wrote that as Stephen King. But no, but oh. Bachman books were let's see it was running man the long walk Rage. yes that was a great book that was see the thing is that's the when i think stephen king those are the books that i read i think i read tommy knockers um oh tommy knockers has problems yes it does <laughs> i can tell you that i have started it about three times and the first the very first chapter where the kid is chasing the paper boat down the gutter mm. scares the shit out of me. And it's so scary. It's that's so scary. it. I'm just done at that point. Um, would I it, did would read... It sweeten the, would it sweeten the pot if I told you it eventually has a child orgy inside of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, that changes everything. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> um, no, the ones that I have finished, um, I read and I very much enjoyed The Stand. Um I've read his nonfiction kind of horror summary book. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember. And then the latest one that I've read that I thoroughly enjoyed was Joyland. His, oh, I um, love Joyland. Joyland was fantastic. I thought that was great. And if he wrote well, those sort of stories all the time, I would I would read everything. Well, look, he writes more of those than you think. But, I mean, here's why I loved Joyland so much. And that was one that came out back in 2013. And that was another... He's written three books under this hard case crime Correct. Um, publisher. And I they're all so interesting because Joyland is great because you what's don't... What's, what, 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 what were we saying? I was going to say it's an old ghost story. 
Well, when, but what's great is like it is not clear what Joyland is as you're reading it. You're like, oh, is this just a coming of age book? Is this a is this a crime book? Is this a ghost story? Is this a story with a killer in it? Yeah, it's and, all of the above. And it, it is all of the above. And it's it, it's it, and it's it's an actual reasonable page length because some of the ones he turns in are bricks, right? Oh like, man, they're so dense. I I read the stand on a week vacation and that was a lot of reading no, for a week it's a lot and and usually i love them so much that i don't mind but also i understand that for john q reader you know they're not ready to sit down to read under the dome at 1074 pages right like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man no it's when another one here, here's another recent one that you may enjoy because um you and i both have another passion we haven't talked about on here but you and I are both lovers of Lovecraft. Yes, absolutely. And one of his recent most Lovecraft-influenced books is a kind of a sleeper book called Revival from 2014. Oh, really? I had no idea that it was Cthulhu-esque. Well, and that's just it. Like, I mean, it, it may be kind of spoiling too much uh, even even telling you that it is. You know, one, it's one of those things where a lot of it deals with, like, religion and spiritual revivals and, and, and religion in small towns and... And Stephen King has made no um, no secret over the years of his dubiousness of organized Christianity in America and the oh, hypocrisy and yeah. the hypocrisy therein. But he um, kind of the big twist in revival is one of the one of the main characters is doing some dark experiments with electricity. Like the whole thing is like there's a lot of lightning storms. Electricity is a big motif, and his whole point is the character has lost his daughter and child. And is trying to use this magical electrical process to uh, bring them back from the dead, and it does not go great. <laughs> <laughs> really? And and it's it's one of the um, and this is saying something for Stephen King. The ending is one of the bleakest, darkest endings <laughs> I've ever seen because it uh, it makes clear what the afterlife entails for all of us, and it's not great. <laughs> Um, I think, I can't remember which comedian it was, and I, but I still distinctly remember it growing up when he said, can you imagine being Stephen King's little brother, sharing a room with him growing up? <laughs> you know, Mom, Dad, Stephen's making the walls bleed, you know? Oh, I just that, I, I can only, like, just that little guy. What what? But what I love about him is that, like, I, I went and saw him, a few years back i remember I, this this was a this was a trek did you go to chicago or something this was a trek i went to chicago so he he had come to omaha to give a talk but it was a very limited audience and i was not able to get tickets um and so that when he went to chicago me and a bunch of my fellow nerds we 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 took a flight out there we got like in the fifth row it was when he was promoting his book uh, sleeping beauties that he wrote with his son owen and uh, that book, not great, but it was great to see him. <laughs> and it's just like the way he talks about it, he's such a New England guy in that, you know, some people like, you know, you think of like Jack Kerouac writing books, like they have to smoke and drink and like get into this very artsy fartsy place. Whereas like Stephen treats it like a nine to five job. Like he's like, it is my job to get up and write. He's like, I get up and I am writing from nine in the morning to five o'clock at night. And then I stopped. He's like, my my job is no better or more important than a factory worker. So, you know, I just, that that, that is what I am here to do. 
I think that there is a lot. I mean, he's had a lot of demons, you know, both self-inflicted and sure. then not inflicted and then self-inflicted as a result of the non-inflicted demons. And I, I think that there is, he has a compulsion. And I think anyone who's a creator, you know, I'm not pretending that I'm uh, any great artist, but, you know, I write music and have always uh, uh, endeavored to do what, uh, readers, spoiler, Joey's writing a book. Oh, God, hey, spoiler alert, guys. The first set of edits is done on the book. Holy moly! That's a, it's a that's another episode that we're gonna have to talk about that process. It's, it's exciting. We'll talk about that, but no, it's it is it's coming along. And so, but my my point here is that there is a compulsion that drives you to create in the same way that I mean, you and I can can shoot the shit whenever we feel like it, but we decided that we wanted to be more productive with that and. You know, as far as I'm concerned, J&J solve all the world's problems. <laughs> High art. High art, baby. <laughs> um, but I think when it comes to Stephen King, he, like, there are some severe compulsions that drive him, as evidenced both with respect to his subject matter, but also with respect to his method and his process. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and he's, I mean, again, that's what I love about him. He's been very candid. I mean, his early days. They were all know, driven by coke. Well, cocaine and alcohol. I mean, he's he has talked about. I mean, you brought up Tommyknockers, but he has talked about that basically he doesn't even remember writing that book because he was on so much cocaine. And having read that book, I can assure you, I don't think the author of that book knew what they were doing because <laughs> because that book is really long, and, and that book is like, here. I'm looking at my notes here. That book is like 558 pages, and there is a good 200 page story in there, right? Yeah, and and it's just and it's it clearly got away from him, and then, uh, you know, so he 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 kicked the drug habit, but then he gets hit by a car. Yep, and his prescription pain. It gets prescription painkillers, and and you know he's talked about his recovery when he was writing the book. Um, oh gosh, which one was it? Well, book, misery book, book. was part of it, and then. Well, wasn't misery one of the things where he was talking about being locked up? I mean, that's where it came from. Was oh sure, but no, I'm I'm talking just the effects from the drugs. Oh yes, the book Dreamcatcher in 2001. Oh yeah, that's uh, I've read that one, and that one was difficult. Like he was, I mean, essentially spoiler there, guys, for Dreamcatcher, but it was uh, a aliens that come out of your butt, right? Well, so, I think they went up in the butt. Well, they go up and then they come out, and it's okay. not it's not great, and not great for anybody. And um, when and that movie just, came out, Jason oh. Lee said. We're gonna do to toilets what Psycho did for showers. I was like, I don't think I needed that. I don't. I nobody nobody was asking for it. <laughs> and but it's just, I mean, you see him and he writes through it. And I mean, I I get mad with some of my book nerd friends that, you know, they kind of say yes, they read some of the early King, but he hasn't written good stuff in years. And to that, I say, well, you haven't been paying attention because he writes yeah. so much. And yeah, like some not everything's a diamond, but I mean. You know, just the the Dark Tower series, which he finally, you know, wrapped up in the uh, early aughts and then kind of revisited again in 2012, is a masterpiece. Like it, it is, is, and that's that is one of the. I haven't read the entirety of of it, but I know that the very very first Dark Tower, The Gunslinger, is I think some of the best fiction that I've ever read. And, and that's the thing that's interesting when you said about the people who like, oh, I've read some of it or whatever. 
I would, I mean, he is absolutely the most prolific author of, you know, multiple generations, you know, the recent past, because he oh, just sure. writes so much. But he has, it's not just scary fiction. He uses that as the trope for which he's telling some very profound things. Right. I mean, the Dark Tower series, I would say, is not a horror series. No, I not mean, at it, all. It is, it's, it's his Lord of the Rings. It's an apocalyptic, yeah. It, it, yeah, it is an apocalyptic uh, ring cycle, really. You know, absolutely. And, I mean, to, he had the patience to essentially tie, I would say, 75% of all of his books between when he began writing up through the early 2000s. He tied them all either with characters or themes to the Dark Tower. I mean, who has the the balls to be like, yeah, I'm going to... You, you have to read all of these things to understand this series, which I may or may not finish. Because, again, he began the Dark Tower series in... The 19, 70s, was it? It was 1982. It was when the first one came out. He wrote, uh, a, he, he wrote the final book in 2004 and then wrote kind of a book in the middle of the series in 2012. Can you imagine being a fan waiting that long for them oh, to no, wrap it's, up? It's, like, it's ludicrous. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to take up your challenge and say who else has the audacity and the depth. And I'm going to say the insane clown posse. Because if you look through <laughs> their cattle, their catalog. ICP! <laughs> not only can you get scabies by going and seeing oh, them. <laughs> no, that, that was one of the more ridiculous things I ever heard. It was when whatever dumb album that they had there. Uh, their song Miracles come out they were trying to make themselves sound more profound and he said it was some sort of dark cycle whatever hey, don't, like, don't, keep don't talking you, keep first talking. off Jason don't you trust like the ICP those fans are crazy and they will come after us <laughs> and uh, so for, so for the record for the record Jason's uh, Jason's opinions on the Insane Clown Posse are his own and his own alone I think ICP is the greatest and my face is painted as we speak <laughs> Joe's got the hatchet man uh, <laughs> uh, tattoo on his posterior uh, and uh, he has a sticker on his car and he's, he's sick of getting pulled over um, but he just he just flashes the Fago and they let him go <laughs> oh boy oh awful so I bet you weren't seeing that curveball come up Joe oh gosh uh, no, nobody but that's just it nobody ever expects ICP <laughs> And it always shows up, and it's always a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, we, digre we, we digressed uh, severely here. Um, what would you say, Joe, I mean, you, you are a consummate King fan. Sure. And I've known that, uh, I think, even from when we first met, which was, oh, sure. holy crap, a long, long time ago now. I know, we're old. <laughs> it's, Joe, we're... We're on 18 years now, man. I know. It's, it's, good, it's good enough there, man. Um, so what, what do you think initially spoke to you about Stephen King's works and then taking that into account? Um, what's your, what are your favorite of his works? Oof. Well, I mean, it's, as a kid, I was, I mean, I've always just been an insane reader. Like it's that for me it was, and I still kind of read the same way. I have authors and genres that I frequent, but I also always make a point of when I'm in the library to grab books that I've never heard of, to grab books by authors that I don't know, 
um, just to always force myself to just keep widening and widening and widening. You have far more patience than me because I love reading, but I, I can't go through the volume that you do because I get so impatient with. Well, the, no, with the but, but, but know this, like I, like I used to, you know, white knuckle it through bad books, but now like if it's 10 pages in and no, like life is too short and that book is gone. Right. Like okay, it's, good. I do not. Again, except for Stephen King, but yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, I, so I do that. So I mean, I distinctly remember as a kid, uh, just, uh, and this was I, at this was how long ago I, I purchased this book. I purchased at Walden Books. Uh, I purchased uh, Needful Things. That was my first one. Wow, that I mean, so I'm surprised. So this would have been the Walden Books and GI. The, um, the GI at the Conestoga Mall. Yep. And I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a Walden Books. It would have been. Did you know there was one at the West Roads? That's I did. No, I, that was that was my my platonic ideal bookstore. Hashtag yep. Walden Books. But I, there I, was a I, little I, professor in Papillion. That was my go-to bookstore until I got into the nerd games and science fiction, and then Star Realm and La Vista was my go-to. When and I think I picked up Needful Things because um, I, I remember distinctly as a kid. My brother had the original hardback of the stand, and sure. if you, and that thing is just like it's it's, a, I, it's a Bible. I remember seeing that and being kind of intimidated by that, but like knowing that it was something cool, and so that I wanted to kind of be a part of that. And after I did that, like you know, just kind of you know, the wheels went off the bus, and I just I picked up every Stephen King thing I could, and um, oh, but like favorites, I mean. A lot, some of my favorites are, are boring ones that are everybody's favorites. Like, you know, The Stand is his masterpiece, right? It like is. That's, it's fantastic. I it's, love the book. I mean, you, you say it, and it feels like it shouldn't be, but it is. Um, yep. That is then, his Lord of the Rings. It's and just he, amazing. And then he has a couple different genres that I like. One, one genre is Small Town Melts Down, right? Mm -hmm. and, and Needful Things is in that genre. And, Did they and, ever, and it's been a long I'm remembering that I've actually read more of these than I, I, because when you know, listeners, uh, full disclosure, Joe, Joe told me what we were going to be talking about. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> and uh, I was, I mean, this is going to be the Joe show because you've read so much more of it, but I've actually read more than I remember that I had read. And mm -hmm. so what I can't remember is the shopkeeper in Needful Things, did they ever outright say that he was Lucifer? No, no. And as I recall, again, it's been a while, but it was some sort of like either maybe a, a demon or like some sort of weird dwarf of some kind. Like well, he that, reminds like, me strongly of the main antagonist in The Stand, but just with far less profound ambitions. Well, no, it, it wouldn't surprise me if that's kind of what King was going for, because he has Randall Flagg. Right, show up, shows up in, a, in, a, in a whole bunch of stuff. So it's that was definitely the feel for it, and I love Needful Things just because you know, because well, it was my time. first. And, and as a kid, you know, seeing that, that that he had this master plan of all these seemingly innocuous things, like this kid would come in and he wanted a Sandy Colfax baseball card, and so he would, you know, he'd say, "I'll give it to you, but you have to go throw mud all over the the sheets of your neighbor's." laundry that's hanging out and that seems like okay that's not going to harm anybody but he has had all these plans interconnected to make the town melt down and and i and i loved it but that's i would say that it's not my favorite of that genre my favorite of that genre was his first one in that genre salem's lot 
That's the. It's uh, all the vampires, right? That's all the vampires, and it's and but I it's like it's not this I this for the Twilight lovers. This is how you do a vampire book because it's old, gross Nosferatu vampires. Yeah. Um, and then um, my did you uh, did you read the Strain? By Guillermo del Toro. No, but that was that was along those lines, wasn't it? Yes, they were. It was just the vampires were horrifying. Oh well, yeah, we're gonna have to do just a full Guillermo del Toro episode sometimes. That guy's amazing. (laughs) But um, I would say one of my favorites is the one he wrote with Peter Straub, the Talisman. I don't. I haven't read that one. And what I love about it is it's essentially like if you like the Dark Tower, but you don't have time for eight books. Just read the Talisman because because oh, it's it's essentially just kind of you know uh, a young boy's hero journey, um, you know searching for spoiler alert the Talisman. Oh no! I Tell, know. Me. Tell me it ain't so. And and a lot of people that were frustrated by the ending of the Dark Tower, which I'm not going to go into, a lot of people were frustrated by the ending. And uh, it's because he used the the correct ending in the talisman, right? Oh, like, it's, like he see, he'd already used it once, so he couldn't use it for the dark tower. And um, and what what I love is like you're you're cruising through the talisman, and you know you don't know how much is supernatural and how much is not. And then you know what shows up is a goddamn werewolf, and it's amazing. <laughs> so Silver Bullet was also was that that was him, wasn't it? Yeah, that was. I think that was based off of uh, a short story. Sure. Um, writing the bullet, I think. Mm-hmm. And that, no, that was a good one. Yeah. Um, let me think. Another. Uh, so I mean, so some of the ones he's done. I mean, uh, eleven twenty two sixty three was amazing. So and that's that was, one that I've been intrigued by. Is it just? What is the conceit of that? Is so, it, so the the conceit is 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 wonderful because he um, so he finds out, he's friends with this guy that owns a diner, right? And the guy that owns the diner is dying, and he says, hey, before I die, i got to tell somebody this. If you go through this magical door in the back of my diner, it takes you back to the late 50s on this one date at this one time. And if you go back through this door, it's always that date at that time. And if you come back through the door, it takes you back to, to now, but it always resets that time. So you all, you're like, So if you go back, you're always at that exact date at that exact time. So what this guy decides, and he's just this single guy, he says, okay, I'm a, like it takes you back to sometime like 1958 or something, right? So the guy decides, I'm going to go back and I'm going to stop the assassination of John F. Kennedy on 11-22-1963. And so he goes back, but he knows like it's going to, he has to live in the past for five years. And he also, he's not quite certain that it was Lee Harvey Oswald that killed him, right? So, he, so he's trying to be very careful to like, get it right so he, like so he's not just going to go up and like Lee Harvey in the face Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. and as he finds and as he finds the past is Stephen King defines it obdurate meaning the past does not want to change and and so he finds that the past keeps fighting him as he is moving closer and closer so the, the past the, itself the, is an entity well it's it, it he, I mean, he, I understand he, that it's not personified, but it is its own force. Yeah, it, it it seems that way in the book because it keeps like there keep being hurdles put in his way that seem outside of, you know, the the purview. And what further complicates matters is, as this guy goes back in time and is laying low for five years, he of course 
falls in love. Oh man, it screws up everything. And so it screws up everything. And so no, it's that that is that is a fantastic one. But then even some of his ones that frustrate me, I find things to love about them, like um, the Colorado Kid. That was uh, he. That was another one he wrote in the Hard Case Crime book, and <laughs> and I read that book and it pissed me the hell off. And but I admire I admire him so much for writing it because what he did was he took a crime book, and and it's it's just these two old guys talking about an unsolved mystery on on this small island, right? And they tell you at the beginning that they don't know the answer to the mystery, right? This, this, <laughs> so they tell you that like this 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 body shows up, this like body, the skeleton holding a briefcase in a suit washes up on shore and nobody knows how it got there. And so it's just these old guys talking about how they think it got there and in the end uh, they don't know how it got there and that's the end of the and that's the end of the goddamn book. And I was furious and I respected the hell out of him for writing it. Ron Burgundy, I hate you so much. But I respect but the I hell respect out of you. you. No, so I mean it's yeah, just so much so much good stuff. So yeah, I mean if you it, much like like you Mr. Mr. Kasky, if you've if you enjoyed him growing up but you have not revisited lately, it's he is still writing some very good stuff. I mean, he had a good one that came out, uh, I think, just last year. Was it last year? No, two years ago, called the Institute, and it was kind of in the vein of Firestarter, where kids with special abilities are found and whisked away to this institute where, spoiler alert, bad things happen bad to them kids, yep. <laughs> and it's it was great. Um. In that vein, and this is not Stephen King, did you um, read the book The Passage by Justin Cronin? I I attempted to. <laughs> How far did you get? I got about 30 pages, I think. So you never even got to the far future part. No. Because the apocalypse happens. Um, that one, the, the trilogy... The, the third one, I, I haven't got through it. I will suffer through it at some point. But <laughs> it's too bad that you didn't get through that first book because I think you would actually like it. No, I mean, this... and, and I heard I, nerds that I trust enjoyed it, but it was, again, one of those, like, I read so many books. If it's not, if it's not catching, it's gone, baby. No, and I understand that. I, uh, uh, I have almost given up on one of my go-to authors, James Elroy, because when he's good, he's really, really good. And when he's bad, he's awful. Oh, I, you know, I just got another big chunk of his from the library that... Uh, Which did you get? What did you get? Well, no, I, I got his, um, his L.A. Like, it's, all, it's the bound collection of all the L.A. books. Oh, you did? So... Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going I'm to start with Black Dahlia and work my way through. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you right now, if you think that you're going to stop reading, skip forward and just read American Tabloid because it will change your view on most everything. I suspect I will not stop reading. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so good. So, um, well, no, but I think now, Jason, we got we because we we've talked about it around the edges, but I think we got to talk about some of the successful and not successful film adaptations of Mr. King. Um, I don't think that you need to talk about <laughs> anything other than Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive <laughs> all night, folks. If you're listening, get comfortable because this just became the Maximum Overdrive podcast. <laughs> 
Because if I remember correctly, that one, did he actually direct that the one? The first and only film directed by Stephen King. And what the really first like and only film directed by cocaine. By cocaine, which he has flat out said, the first and only film with an only ACDC soundtrack. It's a fantastic soundtrack. It's oh so much better gosh. than the film. It is based I, I, on it is based on the short story Trucks, which is three pages long. <laughs> <laughs> what? I still see that was one of the ones that was on HBO when I was growing up. Back when HBO had stones and movies, I had no taste. Sure. And so, um, uh, no, that one was awesome. Well, no, Emilio Estevez has been in. Like I was, well, he was the in other, Repo Man. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like Repo Man. Uh, do you ever see the anthology movie Nightmares? Um, I think I did. So Emilio, he was in the part. So there was a he was the kid who was obsessed with this video game in the Oh arcade, yes, I have seen this. Yep. And, and that nobody had ever beaten, and he gets sucked into the game, and it's just one of those where I. I realized the other day because I, I watched the first episode of the Mighty Ducks reboot, which is, <laughs> which is awesome, by the way. And uh, but like I went back, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've seen a million Emilio Estevez movies. Yep, he was part of the Brat Pack, and he uh, he uh, was far more responsible than his brother with respect to his drug use. And well, therefore... when I mean, given. How many movies I've seen of his, given that he essentially stopped making movies in like 1997, right? Like, well, didn't he? Didn't he do one of the last Young Guns and then said, "That's it. There's nothing else you need to do." What you want to? You want to hear some really good news? What's that? Young Guns Three is in the works. <laughs> Young. Are they gonna get John Bon Jovi to do this soundtrack? Here's what I don't understand. I haven't seen Young Guns Two in a while. Didn't Billy the Kid die in Young Guns yeah, Two? Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> so. sure he died. Oh, uh, um, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Now he's Billy the old man. But no, I mean, Maxim Overdrive, and here's what I don't understand. So all of the, all of the, so the premise is, again, as I, as I vaguely recall, wasn't there some like, Earth went through some like comet's tail or something, or, or some aliens or something that caused, for a brief time, all of the machines on Earth to come alive? Correct. And for some reason, the only machines that were giving us really any trouble were cars. Yes. But also, like, they show, like, lawnmowers hunting people down, like a sprinkler choking somebody. And I don't... I, I, they, they've talked about this movie on the, on the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And they break down, maybe I don't understand what a machine is. Because <laughs> <laughs> is a sprinkler a machine? Yeah, a sprinkler is a machine. Well, and then like there's like a cigarette machine that's like spitting out like cigarettes, and I'm like, all right, okay. But it's it's so good. If you've never, guys, if you've never seen it and you want to, like, show it to your kids to say, don't do drugs. Yes, and... absolutely. It'd be fantastic. So I'm trying to like. So when we were growing up, Firestarter, I watched. Sure. And with that was Drew Barrymore post ET. Drew Barrymore post ET, but pre Poison Ivy. Hashtag. Correct. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, Tom Scarrett at his finest. Oh, Tom Scarrett, what did you do? <laughs> I'm not even going to tell you the the thing that uh, is the most standout from that movie. That oh, well, what what could it possibly be, Jason? I bet it's the plot. I bet it's the plot. <laughs> no, it was a specific uh, plot point action. That like, oh, oh Todd, sure. It's so dirty. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and then uh, Carrie was just fantastic. 
Sure. Um, but De Palma, I mean, there's so much blood. It was De Palma, wasn't it? He did Carrie. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, look, look at his first adaptations. He was getting heavy hitters. Carrie, Brian De Palma, The Shining, Stanley Kubrick. Which he hates that rendition. He does, and that's you know what, Steve. I'm sorry you don't understand how genius that is. Well, and I understand the frustration because it's not. I've read The Shining. I've seen The Shining. It well, is not two the different things. Yeah, and, it's not the book he wrote. Jack, uh, or, or no, it was. Yeah, Jack Nicholson. Jack, yeah, well, I'm trying to remember the name of the character. It was. All work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Yeah, it was Jack. Yeah. Um, uh, the the Kubrick version just did not focus on the alcoholism. Which was what the the main driver that he was going to and right the, right right when I was taking when I was doing my television and film uh, studies in college, that is when the second version of that came out <laughs> with in, Stephen Weber, the guy from Wings. Is That's that right. Weber? Yeah. Oh, with the guy from Wings, because Stephen <laughs> Weber is a gift. <laughs> um, and. <laughs> King was really, really happy with that rendition. Well, and, I, and I've heard Stephen talk about it, and I think it comes down to this. M much like all the other m main characters in Stephen King books, the main They're character him. is him, yeah. right? Yeah. And so The Shining was kind of his redemption, right? Like the, the, the character has some redemption at the end of The Shining, whereas in the movie The Shining, the character does not have a redemption arc. And no. I think he was, he was upset about that. But... Yep. It's it's a, a, it is a genius film, but I mean then I mean, then he gets you know a year after that, the Dead Zone by David Cronenberg, oh, right? Oh man, you get uh, Christopher Walken. The ice is gonna break. <laughs> <laughs> I mean then then he manages to get John Carpenter to make Christine, which, yep. I mean because at that point John Carpenter was begging for work because the thing had just bombed, but yes. Which is I mean, unfortunate because <laughs> that thing was so fantastic. It's so good. Um, and then when did uh, Cujo, because that movie scared the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, no, Cujo was the same year as Dead Zone. Cujo yep. came out 83, and that that was a scary-ass movie. I mean, yep. I mean, Ch Children of the Corn? I oh, mean, God. For, for Nebraska kids, that's that the scariest movie. That was set in Nebraska, wasn't it? Set in Nebraska. And it spawned, I believe, three million straight-to-video sequels. <laughs> but they I made one dollar each. Made one dollar each. Well, have you heard, uh, speaking of which, have you heard of his of Stephen King's Dollar Babies? No. So he has a thing. If, if uh, student filmmakers contact him and ask for permission to adapt his work for student films... He will agree for the price of $1, and they are allowed to adapt it. They can never release it, but they are allowed to adapt it uh, for their, their film projects. Joe, we need to go back to school. I, mean, I know. We need to make a dollar baby. And, and, it, and you can look these up, and there are hundreds of these, and he never says no. And, and it's been all these filmmakers over the years cutting their teeth making these Stephen King adaptations. Oh, that's a... That would be so much fun. It would be so. We need I to find one of the short stories because those well, are much, much better to turn into a movie. My hope is because he has said, you know, they can't release them. My hope is maybe after Stephen passes, they can like release them. Because how great would that be to see yeah, like, no, it'd be awesome. like a million versions of The Running Man, right? Yep. Like, oh god. Um, uh, speaking so, of which, speaking of which, do you know? I hadn't realized this. So one of my absolute favorites is The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, which, with Arnold Schwarzenegger or with, with Richard Dawson? 
Well, no, we, yeah, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Richard Dawson, which is really nothing like the book. But do you know who directed The Running Man? Oh, let me guess on this one, because I watched it in the last couple of years. I'll give you a hint. It wasn't Hutch. <laughs> it wasn't Hutch. But it was Detective Dave Starsky. That's right. Paul Michael Glazer directed <laughs> The Running Man. <laughs> I was actually thinking of uh, the Tom, the the, the uh, Tom Hanks movie with Turner and Hooch instead of. Starsky it was not. It was also not directed by Hooch. <laughs> which, like, which what does this have to do with the dog and Tom Hanks? I don't. Which get does this. not get enough love. We're gonna have to do a lesser appreciated Tom Hanks film someday, and uh, we'll solve that problem. That's awesome. That's a great movie. Um, so, no. Uh, we, we've touched upon some of the best best Stephen King ad, adaptations. I have two are in the running. One is the sure. winner. Sure, of course. I mean, we, we both know the winner is Shawshank Redemption, right? Correct. Right. And then the Green Mile. Well, the, the Green Mile. Why? And I think in, in the running there, you got to put Stand By Me, right? Stand mm, By it's Me. It's so good. It's so good. And, and no. also, the thing Stand By Me has going for it is the Pukathon, which I still oh my can't God. believe they, that they ever filmed. How Rob Reiner got them to make a rated R children's film yep. where it's just people talking about penis breath and also, oh. Well, that's who, the way do, kids really talk, though. I know. Well, do you remember in the flashback who plays the main character's older brother? What actor? So the main character is Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. What are you talking about? What? What, Will? <laughs> um... <laughs> Kevin Costner played the body in The Big Chill. I cannot that is remember correct. who the older brother was in it was Stand By Me. Your friend and mine, the star of Hot Tub Time Machine, John Cusack. Oh, was it? That's right. That's He wasn't very old at that point. No, he was not. That's interesting. That's uh, my wife, uh, John Cusack, was making eyes at my wife in Chicago once. She, <laughs> she says that it wasn't. She said that it was him wondering why she was like she was staring at him a little bit to like you look familiar but i can't quite place it but john cusack was checking my wife out the only star of any stephen king film i've ever come into face to face was i was at a uh, minneapolis airport and as i was walking coming the other way was jesse the body ventura and he saw that I noticed him. I was the only one in my family that noticed him. And he gave me a shake of the head that said, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Just kept walking. <laughs> so in the same airport, uh, I saw one of your favorite uh, Saturday Night Live alums oh, who do we getting got? a very serious talking to with one of his constituents before he uh, extricated himself from the Senate. Al Franken? Yeah, I saw Al Franken then. In the oh, Minneapolis airport. I, I, as a kid, I got to meet Al Franken, and, and it once again didn't go great because he was not happy. I was at a, um, I was at a Boston Red Sox game, and I saw him there, and I was just, and this was like, you know, I was the biggest Al Franken fan, and so he was, I think he was there with his father, and I went up to him, and I'm like, can I have your autograph? And he was like, uh, yes, I suppose. I'm like, oh, thank you, Mr. Franken. Thank you so much. <laughs> so somewhere in my house... I have, I have a, a, I have a, uh, a program with the picture of Big Poppy on the front and Al Franken's signature in the back. (laughs) 
That's awesome. That's pretty great. Um, I think I've actually seen Vin Jesse Ventura in the same place. Because I used to fly through Minneapolis for a bunch of stuff when I was flying. Oh, you don't miss seeing Jesse Ventura. <laughs> He's a big dude. He can't be missed. And he is in one of the best movies ever made. Uh, Predator, of course, right? Correct. Yeah. Well, he did not have time to bleed in that movie, if I recall. <laughs> well, can you... Well, and this, again, not, not to... A, a short tangent... But can you believe that the director, John McTiernan, made the movies uh, Predator, Die Hard, and Hunt for Red October back to back to back? I mean, is there a better three-peat? I'm trying to think if there is one. Um, so when Coppola was doing The Godfather, Godfather 2, no. Apocalypse Now. Actually, actually, yeah, early Coppola probably does beat that. <laughs> well, but I, then, I mean, in all but seriousness... Then, but then later Coppola, no. <laughs> oh, no, it's terrible. But the thing is, I'm trying to think if his zoetrope bullshit, if he had anything that was in between the the Godfather Part Two and Apocalypse Now, besides well, here, a lot of cocaine. Well, here, let because me look. Because there's a lot of cocaine. Well, so he's got, he, it, oh, no, look at this. It goes Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather Part Two, Apocalypse Now. Boom. That, 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 that's the four-peat right there. That is the four-peat, though I will say that none of them is the best Christmas movie ever made. No, none, none of them? Wait, wait, what's the best Christmas movie ever made? Oh, Die Hard, right. Die yes. Hard, come oh, on. Oh, I, th I thought you were talking Coppola. I'm like, what, Peggy no. Sue got married? <laughs> no, oh, Die Hard. Boy. Oh, boy. Um, so, Stephen King adaptation, Shawshank Redemption, fantastic. Sure. Uh, Green Mile, fantastic. Absolutely. Stand by Me, fantastic. I'm trying to think of what other. Oh, well, here, here's Delir one that. Um, Misery, what's her face? Won the Best Actress. Misery is so scary, I can't even watch it. No, no, it's so hard. It's so hard uh, to watch. And, and I hadn't read that book. I so I think in the last two years or so, I finally finished out some of the Stephen King books I hadn't read it. And because I knew that one was going to be so scary, I'd saved it till the end. And I finally read it. And the uh, it's written in like, I hadn't realized the style it was written in. And it's written like it's her diary. Yes. And so it's like extra scary. <laughs> uh, but so good. So good. Yep. He, uh, uh, but <clears throat> when you really think about, especially how he took such true personal physical excruciating pain and turned it into that mm -hmm. You're like holy crap this guy is crazy one, one of one of my favorite movies he did that i felt like was was such a good movie that was completely ruined by the ending was the mist that was so for, that was darabont yeah that was darabont's most recent king correct and he if I remember, the whole thing for the mist is, aren't they demons that are in the fog? I no, it's, 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 it's another Cthulhu. Like it's, oh. um, so the, the whole premise is this government agency accidentally opened up a dimension to question mark. Right. And all of these Lovecraftian creatures come out. And the, uh, the people are trapped at this grocery store trying to survive. Correct. And, and, the, sh and the short story, it's a short story. And the short story ends with them with the like four survivors driving off into the mist and you don't know what happens. Sure. Well, uh, Darabont Frank couldn't do that. Well, Darabont decided to give his movie an ending and 
again, not I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but it is one of the most infuriating, horrible endings to a film I've ever seen. <laughs> and it doesn't help that um oh gosh, who was the who was the actor? Uh uh but but Thomas Jane uh, sure. is not he's Thomas Jane is not, you know, one of the best of his generation. We'll put it that way. And what are you talking not... about? His work in Arrested Development playing himself is fantastic. <laughs> right. Well, no, he, he has to do essentially one of those, like, William Shatner, like, cons, like, at the end, <laughs> and it doesn't quite pull it off. Oh, poor Thomas Jane. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's it's good stuff. So, no, I, yeah, I mean, that's, that. Those, those are, those are the King adaptations, baby. That's just good, some good stuff. Well, so, and then, and then there's been so many, like, like, so many of the adaptations had nothing to do with the book. Like, do you remember Lawnmower Man? Yes. That, I had friends who were obsessed with that movie, but I think it was just because of the computer graphics. Yeah, like, it was like, so we did that one in, like, Lawnmower Man 2. And the premise of the movie is that, like... Uh, Don't they a, take an adult? Right. Like a, a simpleton? Right, yes. A, a scientist played by Pierce Brosnan turns nice. his simpleton who mows his lawn, Jeff Fahey, into kind of, you know, a... A flowers for Algernon scenario where like he makes him super smart but he gets too smart and it kind of you know gets out of control the short story the lawnmower man is about a demon that mows a lawn really <laughs> yeah and that's it that's it <laughs> <laughs> it was a great name though it was a great name um no there were some when I was in Boy Scouts in about middle school lawnmower man was the shiznit that they were talking about on the playground, and I oh, wasn't sure. able to see it. I mean, and the the mangler, another short story, uh, and it sounds like such a tough name. You know what a you know what a mangler is, Jason? Someone that mangles. A mangler is the name for a laundry press. That is that is what a mangler is. It is something that does laundry, and really? this is and the and it's and the mangler is a a laundry press. That is haunted. Oh, good God. <laughs> and it's directed by Toby Hooper. Yes, that Toby Hooper. Remind me of the Hooperage? A Toby Hooper, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Poltergeist. Oh, you kidding me. No, no. And uh, so they brought some some real gravitas to the story of a haunted, uh, essentially, washing machine. Yeah, no, that's ludicrous. But it's, I mean, the main character is Robert England of Nightmare on Elm Street yeah, fame. No, yeah, um, So I'm just thinking because Texas Chainsaw Man, <laughs> I never put two and two together that he's the one who did Poltergeist. Well, those some are say, completely different films. Some say he did not do Poltergeist, but that's oh. a, so, so it's, if you watch Poltergeist, you will notice it seems a lot like a Steven Spielberg film. Yes, it, I always, it, it absolutely has the vibe of a Steven Spielberg film. And some say that's because producer Steven Spielberg made that movie after Toby Hooper proved himself inadequate to do so. Uh. <laughs> but, but because Steven Spielberg knew that his fans would probably not stand for him making a horror film, kept his name off of the project. Mm. But, hey, Tomato Potato, that movie's great. Well, one, well we're going to need to do another episode on Steven Spielberg because we can, we can, you know, we've been talking for 55 minutes, Joe. I, oh, this is, I, I, I apologize. I can, I can go down my Stephen King rabbit holes pretty easily. No, I think it's great. But my point is, I think that we have got to a point where 
you know, our tangents are, are taking us to places <laughs> where you and I would love to go, but absolutely, we have more episodes because that we need to make because we have a sponsor now. And Jason, I think we really need to give a special thanks to our sponsor, The Daily Record. If you are looking for an alternative daily local news source for what's happening in Omaha, Bellevue, and the surrounding communities, why don't you give The Daily Record a try? Use the code J&J, that's J and percent J, for a 25% off discount on any subscription. Besides news, they also have business, real estate leads, business advice, legal notices, and sometimes even stories from yours truly, guys. Get The Daily Record. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. I have numerous friends who are daily readers. That's right. Da daily readers of The Daily Record. That's right. Well, you know what, Joe? Hmm. I think we did it. We did. We, Jason, we solved. Who's the king? It's Stephen. Once again, we did it. I'm so proud of us. Oh, we do. I am so proud of us. I'm, I'm going to go wake up my whole family, let them know we did it. <laughs> we did it again. We did it again. Well, uh, stalwart listener, uh, I hand it to you. We did it. <laughs> and, and guys, if you have any problems you want us to solve, you know, email Jason. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Email Jason. Um, and, uh, you know, it is March the 29th. This is uh, one of the J's of J&J. &J. This is the other J of J&J. &J. We bid you all fair adieu. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening.